Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Previously on the Simply Human Podcast. So I look around and I'm so thankful that there is a 32 ounce oh, uh, no. Chick- yes. Chick-fil-A cup. Oh, and, her. Uh, <laughs> I told you. So it was coming. I uh, dropped what I could and grabbed that cup, positioned it the best I could. Oh. Oh. It is episode... 100 confetti of the Simply Human podcast with your hosts, Mark and Rick. Two human beings being human. Our goal is to help you understand how humans are designed to eat, sleep, move, and enjoy, and how you can start living more like a human today. On today's show, it is, as you probably guessed from the title of the show, the great Mark Sisson. It's a big deal for us. It is a big deal. Then it's another moderately funny edition of the Humans Being Human segment with my other brother, Brad, and yes. Adjuster Talk, and we'll wrap up with our Simply Human Tidbit. How are you, Rick? You say Adjuster Talk? Yes. He is a... Uh, that sounds very boring. Well, he is a, an outside... He, he's done outside claims adjusting, like roofs and stuff. He's done... Oh, well, that, well this, you're definitely this, taking a very exciting sounding Just now. listen, he's been a disaster... Claims adjuster. And has, he ever, has he ever like adjusted the disaster in your pants? <laughs> no. Uh, funny story. <laughs> it looks like a chocolate tornado. But a, lot, <laughs> <laughs> but a lot of what he's done, like he has some stories, and then he's worked with some people that have some like crazy stories. Like it's well, it's pretty crazy. You, I love see. your brother Brad, and he's good at telling stories. Yeah. So. I'm looking forward to recording this. So we haven't done it yet. Yeah. So, okay. So, Crosstalk, I, I wanted to give our listeners, we've had some pretty gross segments lately. And yeah, I, we probably need to maybe break on that a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I wanted to do Don't something. Don't want to overdo that. Yeah, I wanted well to, too often. Right. I wanted to do something not gross. Okay. okay. And try to have an interesting conversation about hmm. belts. About belts? Okay. Like belts that you wear to hold your pants up? Correct. Or do they? All right. We'll get into that. Um, hmm. let, let's and let's combine this with a Rick's cop corner. Rick, well, what do you have on your de- describe your policeman belt? Like just the outside of it? Yeah, like what all is on there? Well, uh, I guess this is probably not very interesting to people, but it's actually made up of two belts. Oh. You have an inner belt, Ooh. which goes through the belt loops of your pants, yes. and that actually helps keep your pants up. And then you have your outer belt, your gun belt that has all your other stuff on there. And mine, if I'm starting at my left side okay. from the belt buckle and going around, I've got uh, my pouch with two extra pistol magazines and then my taser, then my radio, then like a little loop to hold like my flashlight, my large, you know, big, looks like a mag light, mm, I guess, that, that size flashlight. And then I've got a smaller like miniature flashlight on there just in case I find myself in a position where I need light, but I don't have my big flashlight. Then, uh, like maybe it got knocked out of your hand by a criminal or something, or I, uh, like went to more likely, I like go to something in the, like when the daylight is happening and I don't grab my flashlight, oh. but I go into a building and it's really dark. Right. Okay. It's a much uh, more logical excuse. <laughs> then, uh, handcuff holder. And then that's the middle of my back. And then the other, the right side handcuff holder. And then, uh, baton, which is. Just a useless piece of equipment. It's just <laughs> ridiculous. And then gun, and then uh, <clears throat> keychain. So when you say like you have, so why would you carry around like magazines, like the pistol? Like, is it like a, a monthly periodical about pistols? Like, why why do you need that? Are you are you finished? <laughs> are you done? Or we're gonna I keep. Uh, I love how we're like, gonna dad joke this. Or we had a listener uh, on our Facebook page say that they wanted like the sound, the drop of you calling me an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> yes. By the way, uh, off uh, on air talk that should be off air. We need to get with that guy and schedule a humans being human. Mm, by the way. Yes. Okay. Okay. So belts. I know. Mitch, yes. Belts. The, the, well, what? Uh, but very quickly, what attaches the gun belt to the inner belt? outer belt to the inner belt these things called belt keepers Mm. uh they go inside of your inner belt and they're just kind of loops that like like 
they it's kind of hard to describe. They wrap around the outside of your gun belt and you snap them in and that's what keeps the two belts attached. Okay. Well, we'll get back so to the gu- the police belt in a second. Okay. So the the late comedian Mitch Hedberg had, had a bit. Who has not been funny, not even one second of his life. <laughs> I thought he was funny. I'm um, the only one who thinks this, but I think that guy was about as funny as a turd in a punch bowl. That That's funny to me. I mean, oh, okay, good point. That's, I, <laughs> that's actually very funny. <laughs> so, but he had a deal on belts. He's like, okay, so the, the belt's down there to hold the pants up. The belt loops are there to hold the belt up. I don't know what's going on down there. Like, what's happening with the belt? And so this is... I, I can explain rather really quickly. Well, you tighten the belt tight enough where it keeps everything well, but tight, listen, tight across so, your, your body. I don't so know. that's what we're going to talk about. There's a, a recent Freakonomics radio or podcast, I guess, about... You know, I tried to listen to that, and I just couldn't get into it. This is months and months ago. Well, and they talk about why did the belt win? And when you break it down, it, it, like, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense because from a functionality standpoint... Belt. So, like, listen, here's a quote from the show. So, you know, you strap it on. <clears throat> oh, excuse me. Stop uh, it. Pull it tight. And, Idiot. And hope your pants don't fall down. But the physics of a belt, it pushes in and hopes that it creates enough friction to have your pants not fall down. Well, that didn't make sense. Here I was talking to my students about physics. Obviously, this is a physics teacher. And what direction gravity was pulling and moving things. And here I was wearing a belt. And I thought about it a little bit. And I was like, well, wait a minute. I need something to pull up if gravity is pulling down. So that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. What does it matter with this guy? I, I, yes, I, I will concede his point that like suspenders are probably a bit better at uh, you know accomplishing that feat, but that like a belt does the same thing. My pants have never fallen down when I well, wear a belt. And, the other- and also, let me say this: the belt provides some flexibility in pant uh, uh, fitting because uh, your pants might feel a little bit loose. They might be a little bit tight, but sometimes they're a little bit loose. If that was the case, and you like, oh, this pants are a little bit loose, I got nothing to hold them up. I just can't wear them. The belt allows you some wiggle room here and there to like, hey, these pants are a little bit loose. I will tighten my belt a little bit tighter. Right. You so, don't have to like retailer your pants. So the first trousers, like as we know them today, came came out in about 1820, and they were cut very high. They wore loincloths before so, that. Right. So you had to wear suspenders because they were cut up like above your belly button. Okay. Um, Which incidentally is where my mom, when I was a kid, was like, no, 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 that's where your waist is. It's just over your belly button. I'm like, <laughs> even as like a six-year-old kid, I was like, no, I don't think that's what yeah. you do. And and so so the, the first pants holder upper was hmm. the suspender. So okay. it's like, so the, this whole show was like, why, like what happened to the suspender? And why, oh, they look ridiculous and people stopped wearing them. Well, I just solved the whole podcast. In <laughs> well, it, so it talks about like the stigma of the suspenders. Maybe you think of them as being worn by people who are maybe too fat to be comfortable wearing a belt. That's or a people quote who are stupid show. in general. Right. So you have Unless like, you listen to this podcast and you listen to, you like suspenders. <laughs> no, you're cool. Sorry. Um, <laughs> well, then also it talked about like how you said the flexibility on, on pants looseness or tightness well this gives you like if you're if you try to bend over or like move your upper body with suspenders you might get a wedgie and so maybe it was like a it's a very true belts are more of a, a wedgie suspenders then belts sort of had a good pr move and that cowboys started wearing belts to show off buckles in martial arts think about a, the belt as being a symbol of victory while suspenders are worn by uh like urkel Yes. And those kinds of people. But then it talks about, this is where Rick's cop, uh, belt comes in. So uh, this is a quote from one of the guys that was that was on the show. When you have, for example, firemen or medical doctors or plumbers, people that carry a lot of weight around their waist, they are not aware. Uh, stop. Doctors carry a lot? Since when? Medical doctors. Yeah, why was... Do they have like a clipboard and they're all their stuff just attached? Like, a, yeah, that's a weird. <laughs> like thank, to their th- belt? thank you for pointing that out. Like, why? Thank you. Why uh, would he say medical doctors in that yeah. in that list? Um, they are not aware of the consequence of the weight. It's not just the weight. There's a force times distance factor, and I can tell you from doing other studies that the weight you're carrying around your waist probably weighs seven to nine times more to your spine because of the consequence of force time distance. And a couple of police studies found that wearing suspenders along with a duty belt increased comfort and performance. What do you think about that? See, that I actually entirely agree with. Uh, there's so much weight on the policeman belt uh, that that's like you meet a, a cop who's you know 50 years old who spent most of his time in patrol wearing a belt. Uh, they have universally, they all have you know lower back issues. So that's one thing. Uh, I, 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 uh, favor functionality over, uh, 
when you're working, I guess with work stuff, yeah. I couldn't give a crap. And I think that actually would make, uh, that would be a big deal. And there are some departments who, like, and I've seen pictures, it's not very many of them that, uh, forego the traditional look and have their dudes wear just suspenders over their shirts because that pulls it up. And, uh, very, uh, long story. I used to have a pair of like <sighs> these like contraption suspenders that go underneath your shirt and your vest but somehow they come out and attach to your to your belt and keep the weight on your shoulders. And man, that was really, really, really comfortable. Yeah. It just uh, I didn't like the way that uh, some of because it's bulkier, and I didn't like that hmm. added bulk. I felt like I you have enough was bulk. restricted in my movement. But if uh, but there were it was restricted, but restricted because it had to the suspenders went under like your vest and uniform. Uh, if there was one that went over the top of it, it wouldn't be restrictive at all. It wouldn't add any more bulk or weight or strap you down, and I would be all about that. That would be awesome. Well, and you do have you already are dealing with lots of bulk down in that region, um, if you know what <laughs> I'm saying. Oh, uh, right. uh, Rick's nickname in high school was Titanicus. Titanicus, huh? I saw that as a book called that. Hey, one more thing, real quick, before we get to oh, the okay. interview. Um, hey, okay. <laughs> Uh, okay, so I have a friend in Abilene. His, he's uh, he's six feet nine inches. Liar! I swear. His name is Randy. His older brother is seven feet tall, and I was with both of them last night. Not in that way. <laughs> um, and and so and here we were going to uh, be a little bit yeah. more mature on this edition <laughs> of Crosstalk. And so. We get to talking, and the, you you know the men's chorus that we all, my family sang in, the vocal majority, yeah, make fun of it. There's a guy <laughs> yes. in the chorus now, and there's a picture of this, I'll send it to you. The guy is seven feet, five inches tall, so as tall as Sean Bradley, and he weighs over six. Not as tall as Sean Bradley. Sean Bradley was seven almost six. Almost as tall as Sean Bradley. Thank you. But he, and he weighs, he's not like a skinny guy, like a Sean Bradley, you think of like really skinny. He's He weighs over 600 pounds, but he doesn't look. He's not like morbidly obese. He looks like that wrestler. Who's the uh, the wrestler Andre the Giant? Yeah, who's but like he's super tall and also super big. Yes. So my my question is, how does that guy do anything? I have no idea, man. How do you the get... world is built, and I I don't consider myself to be tall, but a lot of people tell me I'm tall. I'm like six foot. I'm not as tall as you are. You're like six two, right? Yeah. The world is built for people who, generally speaking, are like five ten, and it, it doesn't matter. Like I'm close enough to five ten ish that it, like it doesn't really. It's yeah. not that big of a deal for me, but I, but my how cousin that, Zach I, I is you, six, seven, six, eight, six, nine, something like that. Yeah. And, uh, he says he has a hard time finding beds, uh, the door frames in his house, like literally just anything that you, like a car. Yeah. Like my dad, my dad is six, ridiculous. five and he has some trouble, but I'm trying to imagine a guy that's a full foot taller than my dad. <laughs> yeah. How does that guy, he, how does he get in a car, in an airplane? How like, does he I'm, do anything? I'm in my bedroom right now and I'm looking up and I don't know how high the ceiling is, but it's got to be around like seven, I guess probably an even eight foot. But, uh, man, you'd be scraping the top of your head just about against the yeah, ceiling. I just sent you a couple of, of pictures of him and then oh. and with, with like, I guess this is like girlfriend or wife or something. And then a picture of, of her wearing his shirt and you, you won't believe it. Okay. Anyway, I just oh, thought, man. Have you gotten it How yet? How tall is the girlfriend? Is she like six foot? She's who knows. She's probably very tall. She just looks like a little midget standing next to him. Um, outside of a water burger. Can you now look at the other picture? Yeah, I'm seeing it. Should we? I, I probably can't post these pictures because like, lit- this picture literally looks like a. She's wearing his shirt. It goes down to her like a polo shirt. It covers and it looks her feet. Like she's wearing like a graduation outfit. Yeah. And this lady has like she comes up. It's okay. So he's seven five. She comes up to like his, his, I his don't know sternum. another way to describe it, but like his nipple line. Yeah. So she sternum. has to be at least six foot. She has to be yeah. an above average height woman. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. I just thought that was interesting. Um, all right. Well, let's get to it. How about Man, it? We really led into the assistant interview with some really yeah. compelling crosstalk about <laughs> tall people tall, and belts. Yeah. <laughs> hey. Mark, if you're listening, I'm. Sorry. Sorry. Well, better than uh, Chinese food vomit. How about that? Uh, that, that is true. <laughs> Sorry, everyone. All right. I didn't realize it was so gross. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> find us online at simplyhumanlifestyle.com. Everything is there. It's a one-stop shop. Go to the store page or the store tab on that website. Follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Periscope at simplyhuman52. I was recently on the Bone Broth. Oh, hold on. The Barbells and Bone Broth podcast. Uh, so check that out. I'll probably try to have a link to the show notes or, or put that on the Facebook page or something that was really fun. Um, and so, uh, that being said, let's get to our interview with Mark Sisson. We talk about his background, evolutionary biology, the first thing 
getting rid of grains, being a pioneer, living an awesome life, human movement, drinking wine, sleeping like a human, healthy mayonnaise, primal blueprint certification, and stand-up paddling. Ladies and gentlemen, Mark Sisson. What's that? It's a drum roll. Joining us today on episode 100 of the Simply Human podcast, for our one-year anniversary, we reached out to Shaquille O'Neal, and he did not he did not reply. Uh, for our two-year anniversary, Rick, who was it? We, we reached out to... Uh, I think we were talking about doing Hulk Hogan, but then he went off the deep end oh, yeah. and you know, kind of went crazy and saying crazy stuff. Yeah, so then our, we, our next milestone was episode 100, so we reached out to the great Mark Sisson, and Mark, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. <laughs> awesome. So it, we're going to pretend like... I, I, I can't imagine that any of our listeners haven't heard of you or don't follow your the Mark's Daily Apple blog, but let's just pretend like there are some that, that don't know who you are. I think there probably are some listeners here that don't know who you are and what you've done uh, up to this point. But just let's start off by you telling your story. What is your background? How did you get to where you are today? Yeah, so um, always interested in health and fitness. Always wanted to be as healthy as I could be uh, from a very early age. I uh, got headed down a path of uh, lots of endurance activity because I read Ken Cooper's book in the late 60s on aerobics. So uh, decided that aerobics was the way to go. So I started running long distance. Um, re- read at the time lots of uh, information about how to fuel uh, your body for these long distance events. And that uh, involved lots of complex carbohydrates. So embarked upon uh, a pursuit of a marathon career where I was running 100 miles a week and Jeez. consuming 1,000 grams of carbs a day and getting pretty fast in the process. Uh, f- uh, finished fifth in the U.S. National Championships in 1980 and uh, qualified for the Olymp- Olympic trials in 1980. But, um, so I was pretty fit on the outside, but I was falling apart on the inside. I had all sorts of issues with uh, osteoarthritis, uh, tendonitis in my joints, uh, irritable bowel syndrome, upper respiratory tract infections six or eight times a year, so no immune system to speak of, uh, uh, gastroesophageal reflux or heartburn, you name it, and I was suffering from it, and I thought, well, this isn't right. Here I was um, embarking on a, on a lifestyle that was intended to get me uh, healthy and, and fit, and uh, I wind up being fit but not healthy. What What happened there? So uh, had to retire with injuries and uh, burnout and overuse, uh, retire from the competition side of things and looked really deeply into how I could be fit and happy and healthy uh, and all the things I think we all want without so much uh, struggle and sacrifice and suffering. And that, uh, you know, I, I, I had a studied pre-med in, in uh, college. I was a, I had a degree in biology, uh, always fascinated by human performance anyway. So I uh, started doing research 35 years ago uh, on on you know how to achieve the optimal body um, in in ways that uh, didn't require so much sacrifice and pain and and it evolved into this thing I call the primal blueprint and it calls upon evolutionary biology looking at how we evolved over two and a half million years of of um, experience as humans and then uh, kind of draws from modern genetic science in ways that we know now that things that we can do turn genes on or off. We can rebuild, re-manifest re, re ourselves on a minute-by-minute basis based on the signals we give our genes. So the, the essence of the primal blueprint is how can I live an awesome life? Uh, how can I manifest this strong, lean, fit, happy, healthy, productive body by taking on foods and activities and behaviors that turn on the genes I want to turn on to build muscle and to burn fat and turn off the genes that cause cancer, cause diabetes, and cause illness. It's yeah. that simple. And so it's really looking for all these hidden genetic switches. Yeah, and to say that the the Primal Blueprint and Mark's Daily Apple you know, w- was an influence on the Simply Human lifestyle and the Simply Human podcast is an understatement. I mean, it's uh, a lot of what you... I mean, I, I feel like the, laying the foundation of where I am today, your work was... If not the the very bottom of the foundation, you know, next to some other stuff. I mean, it was right there on the bottom. But let's talk about like, so you're at this place and you're and you're looking for answers. What was the? Because a lot of people have the question, okay, where do I start? What like what's? Because like where I am now, 
and where you know Rick was, uh, you know, ten, you know, t- uh, two years ago. Whereas, whereas I'm the person that makes you know bone broth and eats crickets and stuff. Rick was, you know, ate avocado for the first time like last year. Mm-hmm. You know, so he was like, we're like yin, yin and yang. Um, I am, I am a new, newish on this kind of path. Uh, probably about eighteen months. Whereas Mark has quite a bit more experience, and, and I think that's the, what he's trying to yeah, describe so, here. Yeah, so what right. I'm trying to say is, like, so if somebody like Rick was two years ago, or where I was five years ago, where do, where do people start? What was the first thing that you did? What was the first sort of myth that you busted in your own mind to make a change? Yeah, well, it, it, it's interesting because there it, it was an evolution of my own uh, sort. The first thing that I had to deal with uh, that was staring at, staring at me in the face was... Um, I can't train as much as I used to. Um, I just physically couldn't move because of the pains, the, the the joint pain and things like that. So I realized that I actually didn't have to move around that much. I didn't have to beat myself up to to be strong and to be athletic, still remain athletically fit. So I realized early on that I was overdoing the exercise. Um, I realized fairly early on that uh, that healthy fats were not to be avoided but to be embraced. So I started taking on the healthy fats. Um, I, I cut back on my carbohydrate intake when I knew I didn't have to do as much running or cycling or swimming uh, to, to burn stuff off anymore. So I knew that I, would, I could cut way back from 1,000 calories a day to – excuse me, 1,000 grams of carbs a day to uh, you know, 250 or 300. But the, really the, the, the final piece of the puzzle for me was getting rid of grains. When I got rid of grains, I'd already, by then I'd already embraced the fats. I'd already sort of understood the, the, the concept of human movement. But getting rid of the grains um, freed me of the osteoarthritis in my feet, um, the sort of um, the arthritis I had in my fingers that I, that, that I assumed was just an artifact of being in my 40s. Uh, that went away. My irritable bowel syndrome went away forever. My, I, I stopped getting sick a couple of times a year. Um, now I just I, – I never get sick. It's crazy. And I, I look back on all these – uh, all these attempts I had at increasing vitamin C to 25 grams a day and, and all of the, the modalities that I would employ to try and avoid getting sick. And it was as simple for me as giving up grains, which were antithetical to my health. Now, that's not always the case with you know 100% of the people, but uh, it's certainly 80% of the people that I encounter who do this experiment of giving up grains for any length of time um, realize that, wow, that, that there was an assumption there that grains are an important part of their diet and they're not to be excluded. And once you uh, free yourself of that burden of whether it's the carbohydrate uh, amount that you'll find in, in processed grains or whether it's the anti-nutrients and the, the, the glutens, the gliadins, the, um, you know, the lectins, the phytates and all the other things that are found in grains, um, that for me was like that, that, was, that was a shining light that said, okay, th- we're really on to something here that could change the world. Now, Mark, when someone like now in 2015 wants to embark on a life kind of like this, there's all kinds of resources. There's there's you, there's Rob Wolf, there's Vinny Tortorich, there's you know books and podcasts. There's a myriad of places people can get the information. 35 years ago, were you literally just kind of like, there was no one talking about this, was there? I mean, was, oh, were, yeah. you just, no, it were was... you just trying and failing and seeing, you know, trial and error to see what worked, what, what didn't work? Yeah, I mean, it was it was pretty crazy because there was. Uh, I, I like to think that I was one of the first in the endurance realm to kind of take a step back and go, wait a minute, we are training way way too hard. So I wrote uh, the Runner's World Triathlon Training Book in 1982, uh, and and that really was sort of a, a starting point for me where I, I cautioned athletes. To cut way back on what they were doing and try and be you know train smarter, not harder, which is heresy. Yeah, well, for for most of these guys, it's whether whether or not it's heresy, it's such it's so ingrained right. in their belief system that I just got to work harder because this guy's kicking my ass every race. That you can't really it's it's just a tough concept to you know to let go of and think well there, there are ways that I can train now that um, involve far less pain and suffering, and and get me where I want to be with with half the work and without the downtime from injury or illness. Um, so, so I feel like I helped pioneer that part of it, but the diet was still kind of crazy. So, so even until 15 years ago, it was really all based on, on you know, a sort of a complex carbohydrate-based uh, paradigm. And I started looking at the works of uh, Finney and Volek, and 
and some of their the stuff they did on on um, fat burning in athletes. And um, one of my you know early influences was Johnny G, the guy who basically created the spinning programs. Um, in the late '80s, Johnny was training for the Race Across America for Ram, and he was consuming these b- bottles full of uh, MCT oil and avocado, huh. uh, and not gels and and sugars and and carbs. And it really kind of raised a, a you know it, it it made me think, wow, there's something going on here with we keep talking about burning fat as endurance athletes, but we're not really good at it because we we're always slamming down these carbohydrate products and these gels and. So it was really about um, about 15 years ago that this research started to come together, and I started to say, "Wow, this is." I started to see from the from research, there's a, there's some stuff here that's really cutting edge that hasn't made it to the general population yet, but that if I can sort of understand the science behind it and I can rewrite it in a way that's palatable to uh, the average reader, then then you know maybe I can help. Um, influence the way people manage their own health. And that's really what was the impetus behind Mark's Daily Apple. It was taking complex sort of scientific ideas and distilling them down to to the you know the, the nuggets, the readable parts that people could embrace and understand and, and get behind and and, uh, and and help you know help help them on their way. What were people's initial reactions to this? I can because you know now, People are basically are kind of uh, open-minded, but I still get a very you know when people ask you know why do I eat the way I eat I try to explain it to them and they some people just have a very skeptical look about them but some people are open-minded it's kind of a different time I can't imagine how it was 30 years ago the kind of pushback that you got from trying to tell people you know no grains you know no sugars uh, eat healthy fats what was that like Yeah so I didn't I wasn't doing that 30 years ago so so the 30 years ago was the was the the training part it's been in the last 15 or okay. whatever years that I've been talking about cutting back on the on Well, the still, sugar. I mean, 15 years ago, I can imagine, you know, what the pushback was then, too. You know? No, it was significant. I mean, it was, it was, yeah. um, you know, burn them at the stake kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, it was, it was, uh, I, mean, I remember being at um, a party when I started to tell a friend that I was going to write a book on this stuff, and, and it was a, a physician friend of mine, and he just kind of laughed at me and said, first of all, that's a stupid idea. Second of all, no one's going to buy it. And uh, so I, whenever I um, see that friend at a party these days, uh, <laughs> sort of remind him. Is he like? Is he super fat? And you're like, uh, you have no, your shirt he's not, off. He's not, <laughs> he's not super fat, but he's, but but he's, you know, he's sort of well, like most physicians um, or many physicians, he's pretty much set in his ways, and yeah. and you know, they know what they know from med school, and they didn't really, in, in their defense, they don't get much training and nutrition, and they don't have the time to experiment. Right. A lot of them, so. Um, you know, I understand his, his point of view, but, but it was my job and it is my job to uh, kind of push the envelope and, and to, uh, show people that there's another way of doing things that's easier. that doesn't require dieting. It doesn't require, you know, sweating off 800 calories a day, uh, or in the case of the biggest loser, 6,000 calories a day. Oh. Uh, so, you know, I, I really, the, my whole reason for doing this is to make my own life more comfortable. I want to live an awesome life and I want that awesome life to be one of the most number of enjoyable moments I can assemble in a day. So I, I'm looking for opportunities to enjoy play, to enjoy every bite of food I eat, to relish and enjoy my sleep and not and not apologize for it. You know, to be out in the sun and enjoy the sunshine on my face without uh, crap loads of sunscreen on and things like that. I look for ways in which to enhance my life minute to minute by finding enjoyable moments, and to the extent that I can, that those choices uh, also enhance my longevity, then why would I not embrace those? Yeah. So the four pillars of the simple human lifestyle that are largely influenced by your work are eat like a human, move like a human, sleep like a human, and enjoy life like a human, or manage stress. And so let's just take each of those four things and, and put them in a in a Marxist nutshell. So let's start with movement. How are how are humans designed to move? Uh, we're designed to move around a lot at a low level of activity. So, uh, in fact, that's that's one of my ten primal blueprint laws: um, move frequently at a slow pace. Well, we find ourselves, you know, locked in offices or sitting at desks all day, and that's really causing a huge amount of problems for a lot of people. So, I try to tell people to, yeah, you know, we've got treadmills at every one of our desks in at uh, the primal blueprint so cool Uh, so our our, my employees aren't forced i don't stand there with a whip over them but if they want (laughs) to turn the treadmill on and work uh, you know walk while they're working they can do that they all have stand-up desks um i encourage frequent breaks 
I take frequent breaks myself. So I, I look for ways to put the body through as many planes and ranges of motion as possible throughout the day, not to break into a sweat. It's not about burning calories. It's just about the movement. How do you get people to understand that? Like, well, like I have that conversation with people all the time and they're going, like I had a, a friend, you know, text me. He's like, I need to lose like 20 pounds. I, I'm going to do a little Kickstarter. I was thinking about doing a juice fast and really hitting the, the road, running a whole lot in, the, in like a, in a two week period. And I'm going, Hmm. How, how, what, like, how do you convince someone that that is absolutely not the right thing to do? Yeah. Well, what I always start with the diet being the critical component here because you, you know, we talk about being a fat burning beast and how to turn yourself away from this sugar burning paradigm, which we all sort of grew up with, which was access to plentiful carbohydrates and, and, um, every, you know, every time you turn around, you're hungry again for more carbohydrates. And so you get into this vicious cycle of, of consuming high, a high carbohydrate based diet. And yet the body, we're born with this factory setting that wants us to be good at burning fat. So once you can, uh, adapt, readapt back to your fat burning self and become really good at extracting stored body fat and burning it for fuel, a couple of things happen. First of all, you don't, you don't get as hungry, so you don't need to eat as often. Uh, and secondly, um, you don't need to work out as much because you're burning fat even when you're not exercising. Right. You're, you're deriving a lot of your energy from, from fat just by moving around. So that's the irony is that if you get the diet right, you don't even need to work out that hard right. uh, you and, know, or that much. And that's the, that's the part that I think people are like, well, that's too good to be true. You're telling me that I don't have to do an elliptical for an hour a day. And I don't have to starve myself. That, that goes against everything I've ever known. And that seems like it would be too easy. And that's where people are like, it gives most Do people time, not want the easy? I mean, right, the, right. Path, the most, least resistance. Yeah, like that's most, what I always boggled with. Is, right. If I'm telling you this is the easier way, why don't you want the easier way? Why must you whip yourself over this, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it goes back to, you know, 70s and 80s belief systems, no pain, no gain. Right. Um, you know, move it, uh, um, you know, calories in, calories out. Um, eat less, move more. All of these mantras that we sort of um, grew up around are pretty, pretty instilled in a lot of people's brains, and they just can't understand that. Wait a minute! If I eat more fat and I move less, <laughs> I'm going to lose weight. Yeah. And it, it, it it, but any... but if you if you start to understand a little bit of the biochemistry, you don't need to understand much. Um, you you understand that that's exactly what's going on, and then because a lot of this is about hormone manipulation. So when you when you uh, work out hard. Uh, and you're a sugar burner, then uh, you re you secrete adrenaline and a little bit of cortisol, and the body's called upon now to to make sugar from whatever it can. So it it depletes um, the glycogen stores, and it actually spares the fat, the stored body fat, which is sort of ironic. And yet you, so now you go do that 450 calories or 800 calories on the treadmill. You go home and you're ravenous. So you 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 know you brain tells you to replace all of those calories that you ate and maybe a little bit more because if you plan to do this again tomorrow seriously yeah. uh, you know we're, we have to be prepared for it and it's a it's a vicious cycle well if you can reverse that cycle and start to become good at burning fat then you get into a situation like like I'm in where I wake up in the morning and I, f I have all the energy I want so I don't even I don't even feel like eating until noon or one o'clock and that yeah. includes going to the gym at 10 you know and doing a, a high intensity workout. Um, because I'm good at burning fat, and, I, and I've I always have enough glycogen in my muscles to get me through that workout, so I don't need to go home and carbo load. And right. I sure as hell I'm not going to do it again hard the next day. Yeah. So uh, you know you you get onto a, a workout cycle where you only have to work out intensely a couple of times a week to get the benefits. Uh, in fact, better benefits than if you work out hard every, every day. Week. Absolutely. Yeah. And and this I'm deviating from our little nutshell talk. But has there been anything in the last 15 years that you have sort of changed your mind on uh, or, or, or sort of evolved since then, um, you know, like that you told people, you know, one thing in, in the year 2000 that you're not telling them now or vice versa? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things that are always um, being ad adapted here. Um, you know, I was uh, a defender, a staunch defender of uh, drinking red wine. And uh, I said, you know, one or two glasses a night, probably not a bad thing. The research uh, shows that. And and then over the past two years, I've said, you know what, maybe wine isn't that great. And and alcohol in general is probably antithetical to your health. And even though you can get away with some, it doesn't mean it's it's uh, it's benefiting you. Now, I'm not suggesting everybody give up drinking entirely, but 
but you know, I was drinking two glasses of wine for most of my adult life. It was with dinner. It was I my, you know, kids who are twenty one and twenty four will tell you they've never seen me drunk. They've never seen me close to that. I, you know, I know where I knew where the edge was, but it mm-hmm. just didn't serve me well. So I changed my mind on that. Yeah. You know, we've talked a lot in the past couple of years about um, uh, about uh, say uh, resistant starch and, oh, yeah, and starches. And what I was, yeah. Starches. Yeah. And, you know, and and the whole thing about legumes and avoiding legumes for their their lectin, their high lectin content, and things like that, which is a very paleo concept, and I certainly embraced it with the Primal Blueprint. But over the years, I've realized that maybe uh, we're, we're we're depriving some of uh, the the bacteria in our gut, as the gut biome has become a big topic. Right. Maybe some of these uh, resistant starches that are found in some of the um, legumes. Uh, when properly prepared, uh, might be of benefit, and by the way, add yet another layer of of uh, taste to our uh, yeah. to our plate. Now, you, we the uh, the eating nutshell. You've already sort of covered. You know, you you don't eat uh, until later in the day. I do the same thing because you, you just don't. I, and I'm I'm the same way. Like I just not hungry in the morning. Um, and you're talking about high fat and uh, you know healthy carbs, not the processed carbohydrates or the grains. So let's talk about the sleep nutshell. How are humans designed to sleep? Well, if you've read the research in the last two days, yeah, or the last week, <laughs> um, uh, you know we're designed to sleep um, in a in a polyphasic cycle. Um, People in the past have talked about biphasic sleep, you know, where you, uh, but the point being, you're not necessarily intended to sleep eight hours straight through the night. Right. Or and, like 10 hours, or just because the lights are off, you're going to be asleep if there's yeah, no other yeah. lights on. Yeah. So, you know, uh, within the paleo community, we've talked about sleep being one of the vastly overlooked uh, contributors to good health. Um, you know, people stay up too late playing with their devices and uh, bathed in that blue light that emanates from it. And, and in so doing, uh, decreasing the amount of melatonin they produce, and et cetera, et cetera. Right. That, that recent study looked at uh, hunter-gatherers and decided that, well, you know, maybe they don't get eight hours of sleep. Maybe they, you know, they sleep sporadically. And depending on the time of year and how much uh, light there is or darkness there is, uh, they, they sleep different amounts of time. So it may be that um, some of the admonitions of, of sleep were – uh, maybe a little bit overdone from the paleo community. Yeah. I still defend uh, my my right to get eight to nine hours a night, though. Yes. Well, and I think the the interesting thing about that study was that they weren't just looking at at time asleep. They were looking at how you know sleep onset, sleep offset, when you went to sleep, when you woke up, and how that was determined by the temperature and how these people that they studied didn't have stress in their lives and how does stress affect our sleep cycles, like. Okay, well, they're getting six and a half, seven hours of sleep. Well, that's what I get. Well, they're not super stressed about yep. every little thing that, that, that you know, they're just making up stuff to be worried about. And I, you know, all that stuff is super important. I'll link to that uh, study. Actually, I was, it was on your – it was on yeah, the yeah, so we, Apple. we talked about it uh, earlier this week. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I'll link to that in the show notes, but super, uh, super important stuff. Yeah, that's one of the things that if you don't get – to me, that's where you need to start because if you're only if – you're, if you're thinking you're going to get four hours of sleep and then eat right and – you know, move right, uh, you're you're out of your mind uh, thinking yeah. that anything is going to work right hormonally if you're not getting good sleep. So, uh, all right. And then the last nutshell is the uh, the enjoy life or the managed stress. So what do you do? Like how are, how are humans designed to enjoy life? Well, we, you know, we um, were wired to uh, to spend a lot of time playing. Um, I did a, one of the first uh, talks I did at the Ancestral Health Symposium uh, in the inaugural year was on play and how important it was and how... It was a critical part of our development, our brain development, our our social development, and yet we sort of, uh, because of the sophistication of society now, you know, after the age of six, apparently you're not allowed to play anymore. So yeah. um, we need to bring back play. It's it's really uh, I talk a lot in the Primal Blueprint about what our genes expect, and our genes expect from us certain inputs in in order to manifest that strong, lean, fit, happy, healthy, productive human, and play is definitely one of those inputs. So finding ways to play, finding ways to to get enjoyment out of out of life, and um, you know, and and that means having fun, doing an activity, or engaged in some uh, uh, you know mind pursuit, whatever it is, uh, that uh, where you're having fun, where you're enjoying it, where you're in the moment, and where you have no attachment to the outcome, and that's kind of important. So uh, you know, play is almost defined as this random uh, way of 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 moving through time and space, 
uh, in an enjoyable uh, frame of mind. Uh, and in order to be stress-free, you sort of have to have – you have, sort of have to release the attachment to the outcome. So right. uh, it's one of my one of my uh, uh, things that I do on every, uh, every weekend. I play Ultimate Frisbee for yeah. two hours. <laughs> and it's very difficult for me to not have an attachment to the outcome. Right. Uh, because, you know, you, you, <laughs> we're playing – and by the way, it's the most fun – well, you've we done that for a week. long time, haven't you? Yeah, we've been, we played every Sunday for eleven years. Yeah, yeah. It's and it's so and and you know now so, so the guys in my group are anywhere from sixteen years old, mid twenties, thirties, up to um, I'm the oldest at sixty two. But there's some fifty fifty five year olds at play, and it's you know almost to a man or person because we have women show up too. But but the guys will say it's the most fun we have all week, and we look forward to it because it's such a stress release because yeah. it's a you know it's a one opportunity to get out there and. And and be really working hard, but never think, oh my God, when's it going to be over? Right. You know, it's like, oh dang, we you know the game's going to be over in five points. You guys want to play to to twenty five instead of twenty one today? You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that that's also reminds me of a uh, I love the John Medina quote. His uh, from Brain Rules. His his uh, brain performance envelope, and it's the brain appears to be designed to one solve problems, two related to surviving, three in an unstable outdoor environment, and four to do so in nearly constant motion. Uh, yeah. I think that pretty much sums up sums up everything. So, uh, so real quick, I want to ask you about a couple of things before we get to the final question that I ask everyone, and it, we've already kind of covered it. But so let's talk about your the, the mayonnaise. I know this is like a, a cool deal, and also uh, talk about that and your and your uh, certification. Yeah. So um, the mayonnaise is uh, we we you know we've been working on this uh, concept for almost two and a half years now of um, healthy sauces, dressings, and toppings, things that you can put on your food that make your food not only taste better, but in but impart uh, added health benefits to them. And that has always been an issue with mayonnaise because mayonnaise has traditionally been made out of crap oils and all sorts of stuff and high fructose corn syrup and so on and so forth. So most of your life, you've been told to avoid mayonnaise or at least use it sparingly. We've come out with an avocado oil-based mayonnaise. Uh, it's called it's Primal Kitchen Mayo. Uh, it's, an ava- it's available online at primalblueprint.com, uh, also thrivemarket.com, and then uh, a lot of the, we're probably 150 Whole Foods right now, so that's oh, man, awesome. really cool. And it's, it's just blowing up. Everybody's loving it, so yeah. we're very thrilled with that. Um, and then the certification, uh, for those people who want to really dig deeply into the things that you and I just talked about, how to, you know, how really to drill down into getting your eating strategy dialed in and how to... Um, how to find ways to maximize play and fun and, and, and to get an understanding of what's going on at the level of the cell or the level of gene expression. Uh, we have a Primal Blueprint Expert Certification. Uh, a lot of physicians have taken that. A lot of chiropractors have taken that, and then they use that in their practice. But also a lot of uh, just citizens who just want to further deepen their knowledge about about this whole Primal Blueprint thing and, and, and maybe bring that back to – uh, their families or their friends. And that can be found uh, but, at uh, primalblueprint.com as well. Yes. Yep. Primalblueprint.com. There's a ton of good stuff. I was just skimming over that. And man, oh, it's, yeah, it's great. The, 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 the healthy dressings and oils and stuff like Official, that, man, I would be all about that because I make my own dressing because that's how the, you know, I know what's in there. I know what it's good. But man, there's just sometimes where you're crunched for time. You don't want to make all this stuff from scratch. And I was looking at dressings the other day in the grocery store, and I was reading all the labels. And there God, aren't I spent any. Ten minutes. Yeah. I mean, spent ten minutes reading all these labels, and there wasn't a single one that didn't Correct. have canola oil or vegetable oil. Every Correct. single one Correct. that was number one. And I was like, God, there isn't one freaking oil here just made just of olive oil. Yeah. Couldn't find it. Yeah. Now, it doesn't yep. exist. Well, and no, also, even, I mean, this this killed me. It's one of my saddest days ever when I picked up a bottle of Newman's Own because yeah. Paul Newman yeah. was like my hero. <laughs> and you look at it, it's extra virgin olive oil, you know, yeah. vinaigrette or whatever, and you and turn it over and it's got soybean and canola. And, yeah, it has yeah. some olive oil in it, but yeah. no. So we our, our mission is to create these healthy dressings. In fact, we are launching uh, in the first quarter. We've got a non-dairy ranch. Awesome. Uh, we've got um, a honey mustard vinaigrette Ooh. and a Greek uh, with oil of oregano in it that is just – unbelievably great tasting and has all of this sort of functional functional food element to it. Awesome. And you get that also... stuff done, Mark, and I uh, will buy all of it. You just <laughs> ship it directly to my house. I'll give you Wait, my Discover oh, card number. Yeah. Whenever yeah, they don't have, even have to put it on I mean, website. I, we feel like that that's going to be the, the uh, response from a lot of people in this community. Yeah. Like, at last, how come no one's done this? Yeah. Because that's honestly, that's the hardest thing is I eat such a crazy exorbitant amount of salad, you know, spinach, kale, you know, charred stuff like that. 
and I because I love it and because it's healthy for you. But uh, I'll be honest with you, every once in a while, I'm like, okay, well, it's, this same, it gets boring you know, if you don't. Yeah, this balsamic boring, vinaigrette yeah. that I've been making with honey mustard. I love my dressing, and I'm very proud yep. of the dressing I came up with. But I like something different. But I can't oh, really exactly. have anything different because I can't find it. Yeah, we're gonna have we're gonna have twelve dressings by the end of 2016. Awesome. So yeah. that's awesome. All right, well, Mark, we are uh, we are running out of time, and uh, so I'm going to ask you the question that I've asked everyone, and I feel like you are this is this is right uh, right in your expertise, and it is what is something you do uh, to make life more enjoyable, or something you do uh, that you enjoy? What's something you enjoy about life? And it, you have to say something other than ultimate frisbee. <laughs> well, so stand up paddling does that, that work? That works. Um, that's my that's my meditation. That is. Uh, my one of my favorite things to do, and I and I like to do it alone. So I go out on the board for an hour or two hours, and uh, just spend time working relatively hard, but never again, never thinking, "Oh my God, when's it going to be over?" Typically, only thinking, "Oh dang, I got to be back in twenty minutes or whatever." Right. But um, you know, out in nature, it's very meditative. It's it's the best possible workout that I can think of these days. A big fan of stand-up paddling. Cool. Well, that's Mark, the best. I think that's the first stand-up paddling answer we've had. So that's it is. Answer. And I actually, Mark, I actually had that written in uh, as your answer before you said it. <laughs> so I'm kind of a nerd like that. I, I know. Yeah, all well, hey, um, <laughs> really appreciate you being on. I, we could go another hour, but I want to respect your time and uh, and and hopefully we can have you back on sometime, maybe uh, to promote all the new dressings and stuff when they come out next year. Uh, but really appreciate yeah. you being on the 100th episode. Hang out for just a second. I'm going to stop the recording, but uh, this has been a pleasure. Okay. You're listening to the Simply Human Podcast. Thank you, Mark. Uh, that was great. Yes. Everything that we talk about, we will uh, have in the show notes. And I wonder if he's going to bill us for like the 30 minutes because he's such a busy dude and he's a very important guy. Or, may, and maybe we can have him on episode 200. Ooh, that would be awesome. How about that? Um, all right, so let's get to the humans being human segment. And uh, my my one of my brothers, Jeff, the designer yes. in New York, has well, been. Well, let on... me explain this. You have two older brothers. Yes, they are twins. Yes, but they are not identical twins. What that is, is fraternal. That is incorrect. They are identical. Really? Uh, but like the biology, they don't look it. Like when they were little. No, 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 no. You're you're misunderstanding me here. Like. There's fraternal twins right. and identical twins, right. and identical twins look exactly like. Right. Fraternal twins are biologically exactly the same. Right, but when you look at their baby pictures, and like until they were about two or three, they looked exactly the same. And then well, all something babies weird look happened. Alike, Mark, no, I, you can't tell hey, one baby from the, another. Hey, That's listen, the craziest I, my, thing you've ever said. My brothers, <laughs> my brothers are my brothers. Okay, I've lived yes. with them my whole life. The the fraternal is when the eggs like split and then drop, and the identical is when they drop and then split. There's some science, whatever the science yeah. is, they are like genetically identical twins. Okay, well they don't look anything. They don't. Like now. Yeah, yeah. I look uh, more Brad like Jeff. Brad looks exactly like your mom. Yeah. And Jeff looks exactly like your dad. Yeah. It's really positively eerie. I would like I kind of look like my mom, but like. They literally look like mm. carbon copies. Yeah, and I, I kind of wish we could do that genetic blood work because that's what I've been told my whole life. But I would be willing, uh, interested to see if maybe they really. And are you actually look like a really even mix between both of your parents. It's very strange yes. the way you guys. But anyways, anyways, Brad Jeff has been on the show several times. Yeah. He's a the artist uh, uh, designer in New York, and uh, I, like I'm excited to talk to Brad yeah. because I haven't talked to Brad in forever. Yeah, and he's got he's a very funny guy, and he's done a lot of stuff, and and so we're gonna talk about adjuster talk, and this should be good. And uh, here's Brad. Brad, thank you for for doing this. Thank you. You're we're, welcome. We're recording. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Um. So we we've already. Talked. I can't believe, by the way, it's taken two years, and we're just now having you on because you are a gifted storyteller, and a lot of funny stuff happens to you. <laughs> well. And, well, I'm very insulted. <laughs> if we don't get to some, I mean, Brad has some like from years ago. Brad used to email these stories, and his use of the written word would have us all just dying, you know, rolling. But okay, so <laughs> Brad has worked in many, you know, several jobs for different companies, and he's been a catastrophe. Like I've, I mentioned earlier, he's been a catastrophe claims adjuster outside like roofs and stuff he's doing like auto stuff he's done all sorts of stuff so let's start off with the 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 finger how about that hmm. all right so tell us what happened to your not brad my not brad's finger but a, a, a co-worker of his what happened i like where this is headed <laughs> no you don't yes <laughs> well he was out looking at a big truck with a big ranch grill guard on it um that had gotten hit from the side and so it was kind of loose um, and kind of hanging there. 
And the person was, was being sort of argumentative and trying to point out different things and that what was damaged and all this kind of stuff. And so my friend was trying to point out something underneath this big ranch grill guard. And right when he put his finger down in between the bumper and the truck, mm-hmm. the guy said, here, watch how loose it is. And he kicked the top of the bumper down. And the whole thing came down with his finger inside of it, and it just sliced the whole tip of his finger off. Oh, man. He sent he sent him a picture, and then, of course, Brad sends us the picture, and it's like the most horrifically swollen red, just like a, somebody took a one of those meat slicers and just sliced the top of his oh. finger off. Like, See, I yeah, feel like if you lost the tip. I feel like if you lost the tip of a finger, like you can rebound from your life from that. It's not lo- like losing a whole finger, but there's probably like you can make a lot of money off that, right? The insurance of losing the tip of a finger. I mean, they overvalue that, don't they? <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think so. And he, uh, I mean, you can't really do anything. They couldn't really sew it or put anything on it. They just kind of had to put something over it and say, well, it's just going to have to heal like yeah. that because it's like a thimble. They not- put a, they, they permanently like attach a thimble to the top of his finger, <laughs> duct tape, a thimble yeah. to his hand. And it was interesting because they put powdered sugar on it first mm. and then bandaged it up Yum. so that it would, it would, it would, it would, he's, he can't feel anything uh, uh. in that finger um, anymore. It's, it's all healed up, but it's all, everything is numb on the tip. That's what she said. <clears throat> okay, so now to do the the latter one is pretty funny. This is another one that didn't happen to you, right? No, it didn't happen to me. But but on the same lines as the getting da- getting hurt. Oh yeah. Um, there was somebody that because they tell us that when we go out to a, a car that got hit in the front really hard and the airbags didn't deploy. Oh yeah, this is a good one. You don't read. You don't put your hand through the steering wheel to take a picture of the mileage. Because an adjuster did that and stuck his hands through the steering wheel and he bumped it and the airbag went off and oh. broke both of his arms. <laughs> Holy smokes. It's like a car that is just like it's been in a, in a head-on <clears throat> collision and so it's just sort of like on a thread waiting to deploy. And the guy's like, here we go. I'm going to stick my arms through. It's like turning the gun around backwards yeah. and be like, yeah, I don't, I'm not, I don't think it's loaded looking it through the barrel. Yeah. <laughs> I pulled the trigger and it didn't go off. Let me take a look through here. Oh, man. So, so yeah. But yeah, the, the latter, I, I probably laughed the hardest when the person was telling us about this because this person was a, like a, a country boy and just very like nice. Um, <laughs> and so he was just like, he was a very, very nice guy. So he got up on, on a wood roof uh, with his ladder and a, a big pain to have to do is if you're looking at a roof and you have to get off of the roof, move your ladder to a different roof, like a, like a little shed or an outhouse or not an outhouse, but <laughs> oh, no, I guess an outhouse. <laughs> if it was a really nice outhouse, maybe. A, a outer house, right? <laughs> um, a, a, a detached garage, something like that. But it's kind of a pain. And and this guy had a chain link fence running between uh, his house and this outer house with a planter box, a, a wooden planter box going across the top. So are you with, are you with, are you down. following him, Rick? Or you, you, you yes, got yeah, it? yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm with you. Okay. So so he didn't want to have to get down, take all of this stuff take the ladder down, put it across the fence, get up and do all that stuff. So he decided that it wasn't that far of a distance. So oh, he God. Would just jump. <laughs> so we decided, okay, I'm just going to like back up and jump. Well, it was early in the morning and it's, and if you've ever been on a wood shake roof in it, in the morning, it's wet and it's got a little bit of moss on it and they get very slippery, which is hard to see that. So he jumped, hit the house, slipped off, of course, but he thought he would be okay. You know, you can imagine his clipboard and, and tape measure and everything going flying. <laughs> but there was a tree limb that was there, so he thought, well, I'll just grab onto this. And he only used one hand because he was trying not to lose all of his, you know, his camera and everything. <laughs> so he grabbed the, grabbed the limb, and as soon as his weight hit his shoulder, it broke his shoulder. Oh, oh God. 
So then he fell plummeting down to this chain link fence that has a planter box on it. And when he was telling the story, he had he had scabs and stuff all over his face and a, and a <laughs> shoulder harness. And so when he fell, he straddled that planter box. Oh, chain fence. Lord. Because the good thing that the planter box is there because you don't want to straddle and fall on chain link fence. Yeah. It would have impaled his... Uh... Gonads. Hmm, right. Yeah. It would have made him <laughs> not a man anymore. Caitlyn Jenner. <clears throat> so, what is the matter with so, you? Sorry. Yeah. Idiot. So when he hit the planter box with his crotch region, it it you can imagine what what happens when you step on a rake and <laughs> the wooden stick comes up. Well the planter box broke in half and then came shooting up and this wooden <laughs> Charted platter box hit him in the face and cut his nose open and cut his forehead. Oh my gosh! Well, it's like well, the, the... he was—he was about sixty minutes from the hospital or anything. He was just way out in the country. Oh man! So, what was so funny is he had to gather up all of his stuff and move his ladder, and he was now sweating profusely <laughs> at this at this time because he was in a great deal of pain. And he, had to knock off, broken. he had to knock on the door. And I don't know what most of us would say. We'd be weeping or something, but the person came to the door and he was like, I'm going to have to leave. I've hurt myself. (laughs) And I'm going to have to go. (laughs) (laughs) So he had to drive an hour to get to the hospital while he was holding his shoulder and bleeding all over it's like shirt, the worst, man. like four seconds of that guy's life. <laughs> it's like maybe is not even being an insurance seconds. adjuster so dangerous that crap like this is <clears throat> always happening to you? People are getting hurt a lot. So I tell them, no we have time. Fall, just, falling off roofs and did you did you ever fall off a roof? Uh, I never, I never did fall off a roof. No, Good. but I did break somebody's decorative lawn windmill trying to climb up onto a roof. <laughs> You're like, sorry, I broke her windmill. Uh, uh, well, guys, we'll throw, got, we'll throw uh, in another two hundred dollars for the windmill. I didn't, I didn't have my ladder. It hadn't arrived yet, and he told me to use that as a ladder to hoist uh, <laughs> myself up on the roof, and it didn't work because I just crushed it like a, like a matchstick. <laughs> it's made out of, it's made out of the finest balsa wood. Well, hey, I think we have yeah, time. It, we have time for the the pig one, just real quick, and then and then we'll okay. let you go. Okay. Well, this one actually happened to me. Yeah, this is and, one that actually happened to Brad. If, okay. if you didn't hear what he just said. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll, I'll preface this by kind of what was going on. Uh, we were sent up to do the the horrific Paducah ice storm of Ot 6. <laughs> Ot 6. And they had been stuck, these people, up in these, I mean, uh, you've seen Deliverance. That's, that's what it was. You were up in the mountains, and these people hadn't been able to get out there was no electricity, no power. All the trees had broken all over the, the roads. The tree people were there trying to clear the roads, but they had been stuck up in these wooded hill areas for weeks. It had been about three weeks. So I couldn't even drive up into the houses. I had to park way down at the bottom and then sort of hike up in there to look at all this stuff. So I was already a little nervous. I'm a strapping young man, so n- normally I, I'm not too nervous about. He is strapping. Well, yeah, that is. How, that would describe you as strapping. Brad, I'll I'll, uh, I'll add your picture that you sent me one time in the bathroom. Uh, put that in the show notes. So Shut up, Mark. You know which one I'm, you know what I'm talking Brad. about. I'm proud of that picture. Yes, <laughs> put it up. So it, it, I was already a little nervous because I mean there was lots of rotting smells coming from everywhere. Lots of rotting food. And it was, it had been very, very icy and that was just starting to melt. So, so it was very muddy and gross and it was just not good. So I got to this person's house and it looked like, um, it looked just like a, a kind of a rustic broken down cabin. And the guy came to the door and no shirt and long hair, mm, no teeth. Yeah. And it was. It wasn't, you know, I was, I was not in a pleasant circumstance. Well, when I went into his house, it smelled worse than anything I had been in yet. And there was what I thought was mud everywhere that he had just like tracked mud in. Oh, oh Mark. 
So I was <laughs> looking around, taking measurements, and around the corner comes this humongous 500-pound pig. <laughs> and wild. It had teeth, and it, I mean tusks, and it had big oh razor gosh. talons. Looking like it just and, walked off the set of uh, a Lion King. <laughs> yes, it Either was. Either Timon was a, or Pumbaa. I'm not sure which one was the pig. Pumbaa, I think. A, oh, okay. a huge, huge, monstrous thing. <laughs> and he kind of chuckled about it and said, "Oh yeah, that's my uh, that's my pig. He just kind of comes in and out as he pleases." Well, it wasn't mud that was all in the house. It was pig crap. Hey, Chucko, that doesn't smell like mud. <laughs> These Jews are Italian. They're worth more than your life. I'm oh, sorry. So he said, don't worry. Everything's fine. Well, I mean, oh, I'd, yeah, seen of course. Hanna- I'd seen Hannibal, what happens to the hungry pigs. And <laughs> now I'm up in here. This this man looks like he does. And it was just, you know, terrifying. I'll just say it was terrifying. <laughs> so here comes the pig. And you don't realize that pigs, when they're unkempt and they're not these cute little Wilbur creatures, have very sharp cloven claws, <laughs> like demons. Like demons. <laughs> so it came up and pawed at my leg. And it was sharp enough that it ripped my pants <laughs> and cut my skin. And now I had pig, crap, oh. mud, toenail gunk all in my wound, in, in my your, in your bloodstream, just like no, no, just it's, like, it's oh, okay, it's okay. <laughs> There's Don't a pig. You walked right up to you, and just like it, just gouges your leg. Yeah, and and it's snorting me and sniffing. I don't know what pigs do if they smell or snort or whatever. But the guy's laughing like, ah, oh, your fans, man. <laughs> <laughs> he probably smelled the urine that was dripping down your leg. <laughs> I don't think he could smell anything because it was horrible. So horrific. Oh but I, I finished up and got out of there without being eaten. Um, Clearly. So I'm, I'm happy to report that, that everything is, was fine with uh, the monster pig. Uh, occupational hazards, I believe, is what we'll call this segment. How about there that? There you go. Awesome. Well, Brad, I'm going to stop the recording, uh, but hang out. I really appreciate you, uh, you doing this. Sure, no problem. All right, thank you, Brad. Uh, I told you it was funny, didn't I, Rick? Ah, oh wait, this is we haven't yeah, actually talked. Tom Travel Talk. We yeah. haven't done it yet. <laughs> you know, I'm gonna go out on a limb and say Brad was funny because Brad's a really funny guy. Yes. I'm trying to watch Alien uh, Part Two, starring Sigourney Weaver. And you know what, Time Travel Talk. I I was gonna say I bet we referenced that at the very beginning of the well, phone call. Well, if we call. don't, then uh, people don't understand. That's a joke meant for three people: me, you, and your brother. But <laughs> all right. Well, the tip of the week. It is now time for that. Yoda. Okay. Well, uh, t- tip me. This is hmm. Uh, this is a quote from a book called "Go Wild" by John Ratey and Richard Manning, and it is: In 2010, the American Psychiatric Association issued new guidelines for treating depression, and for the first time, exercise was listed as a proven treatment. Thus, the APA finally caught up with Hippocrates or hypocrites, I believe, as Bill and Ted would have said, who recommended that all people in a bad mood should go for a walk, and if it did not improve, walk again. Sedentary behavior causes brain impairment, and we know how. By depriving your brain of the flood of neurochemistry that evolution developed in order to grow brains and keep them healthy. And one of the, the quote that I, I mentioned in this Mark Sisson interview about the John Medina book and how you know we are our brains are designed to learn in, in constant motion and... and, and uh, chaotic sort of outdoor environments that it kind of goes along with that so in a bad mood having having a a bad day get up and go for a walk i think that is really good solid advice and you know there's when we're speaking specifically about like clinical depression there's a lot of different ways that you can kind of attack that i think obviously the first and foremost and some people may not agree with me on this but i don't care is you need to see a medical professional and more than likely you need to you know uh consider the idea of some kind of antidepressant medication to help balance you out. But that's not the only thing you can do. I can tell you firsthand that uh, cleaning up the way that I eat has had a dramatic uh, impact on my mood and uh, depression issues that I've I've, uh, struggled with my entire life uh, and anxiety as well. Uh, Exercise does help that as well. I think there's a a multifaceted uh, way is the best way to attack 
something like that that you have going on. And so if we are, if you are listening and you're suffering with depression and you're not really sure what to do, uh, feel free to email me, by the way, simplyhumanrick at gmail.com. Uh, it's a lot of what I do at work, and I'm kind of developing a special specialization in that. But uh, if you have questions, email me. But also, I would, you know, th- that's pretty much going to cover a lot of what, uh, what you need to do. See a medical professional. But also make sure you're eating correctly and you're exercising because the exercising, that helps. Yes. You don't have to, like, go, you know, do an Ironman. I don't think we know how easy Ironmans are. But you don't. You don't have to go do one of those. You can just walk. Wait a second. Like, so when something. the so when you text me that Ironmans are easy, you're not serious. <laughs> <laughs> I do that just to get a rise out of Mark. I'll text and be like, uh, "Yeah, uh, this person did an Ironman. It's not that hard." Yeah. And he, Mark gets really mad every time. He's like, "It is really hard to do an Ironman." And then I'll just start doing bits for like 20 minutes and be like, "That's not that hard." I just saw a guy yesterday who did one. He looked like an idiot. I don't know what to tell you. Yes, there it is. So to simplify, if you're in a bad mood, go for a walk. That is the yes, simple human go. tip of the week. All right. Um, so let's get to it. Go to our website, simplyhumanlifestyle.com. Like us on Facebook. We're almost to 2,000 likes on Facebook. I'm almost to 1,000. Well, I'm almost to 800 uh, followers on Instagram. Wow. Uh, which is pretty cool. We have a YouTube channel that we haven't done much on. What do you roll on, on Twitter? How many you got um, there? I don't know. I'm not on Twitter as much. Because when we post on the Facebook page, it automatically goes to Twitter. And so uh, okay. I, I need to look. But um, anyway, at SimplyHuman52 is the Periscope and the uh, Twitter and Instagram. And, I, you know, if, I, I've been... I was doing the 30-minute Skype consults for free, and I've gotten kind of overloaded with those. I can imagine. Yeah, and so, yeah, free stuff. So what I'm going to do now is, is we're going to do a $50 30-minute consult. That's what I'm doing now. We and still. I feel like that's still a huge, giant yeah. bargain because if you go to, like, a personal trainer for something like that, uh, it's going to cost you more. Right, yeah. Like, so... Uh, so there, there's that, Good and then deal. we can move move forward from there if that's something that you're interested in. We also have the Simply Human Reset uh, uh, on the website, T-shirts, all that good stuff. Just go to the website. Um, I do want to say who's coming up next time. Okay. Kate Galliette, ladies yes. and gentlemen. Yeah. So we're Bang. Gonna have, we're, the, third, uh, the third wheel of the Simply Human podcast. Yeah. So she's she's new, like the fifth Beatle. She's going to be on... <laughs> His name is Clarence, by the way. There you go. He, she's going to be on 101. Then Chris Brannon, the Styrofoam Cup man, is going to be on episode 102. You probably uh, would like us to forget about that. Yeah. <laughs> and then Kelsey Albers, who uh, the, the Barbells and Bone Broth podcast, she's coming up in November. So we are booked out until December. Jam. Um, yeah, so all that's uh, going to be good. So I think that's going to do it for this edition of the Simple Human Podcast. And remember... Then you get into a situation like, like I'm in, where I wake up in the morning and I, f- I have all the energy I want. So I don't even, I don't even feel like eating until noon or one o'clock and that includes going to the gym at 10 you know and doing a a high intensity workout so until next time enjoy yourself you know how to book flights and hotels all you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive that's why you need viator book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts, so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.